Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Uh, this episode is brought to you by, not officially, not financially, but certainly in content, by WWDC. <laughs> I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub. I I said it right. I was in the middle of it, it, and I was like, whoa, I'm not looking at the thing, but I did it. Oh I'm proud God. of you. I'm proud of you. And 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 your Thank and your you. job is. <laughs> Wait, did I say supervising or senior? I don't remember, and I wasn't listening. So you did say your name. So I I I was just <clears throat> more impressed. I go that you first. Got... <laughs> yeah. We're off to a great start. We are off this to a great week. start. This is quality. <laughs> uh, it is a beautiful. Well, okay, it's a very uh, apocalyptic Thursday morning say. here. Oh, my God. I was going to say, how orange is it? How orange is your sky right now? I haven't looked outside. Bree, do you have orange sky in Boston? No, it's fine in Boston. I guess Canada uh, just uh, <laughs> uh, just all blew right over us. So They said F New York in particular, and none yeah. for Boston. <laughs> Enjoy Red breathing. Sox fans. The smog is a Red Sox fan. Yeah. <laughs> a toxic Red Sox fan. Why? I know. I know. It's also orange in, um, in Michigan. In DC, because oh. I had, oh. I had somebody somebody in Detroit who was a was sending me prices of of they were like she seemed to be shocked at how much Taylor Swift tickets are going for in Detroit right now and I was like yeah no this is accurate and then B they were sending me photos of the sky and I was like wow yeah we didn't talk about it on this show but the the um, the face mask thing that Dyson put out, the uh, N95 yes. uh, filter yep. thing. Everybody laughed at that when it came out. It's a ridiculous product, right? The headphones. It's so stupid. And, it's it's the dumbest thing. But maybe it's not so much. Like, I was thinking of getting <laughs> one because sometimes when I'm working on car stuff, like you're sanding metal and their particulates, and uh, the Marquise Brownlee, like, thing of that uh, was talking about how it wasn't that great at filtering out particulates. But, you know, something like that, Maybe a good idea. The concept, uh, the dream of it is perhaps good. And especially and for with if you're working on a car, you wouldn't be walking directly into traffic with your face mask. <laughs> so <true>. right. <laughs> right. All right. We have so much to talk about today. So let's get into WWDC news. Uh oh, I do my show summary at the top of the show. We're gonna be talking a lot about WWDC, but it's not entirely that. We're also gonna be talking a little bit about uh Reddit's uh, move to shut down third-party apps uh, for our kind of dessert today. And then our booster subscribers, our boosties, are going to hear us discuss Vanity Fair's latest piece on Caroline Calloway. Uh, it is controversial. It is dramatic. It uh, contains some of the best quotes I've ever jotted down in my notes document for this show. Yes. So we are going to uh, really dig into that. And you can learn more about how you can hear that bonus segment and get an ad-free show, which we're all doing this week. But only some of you get a bonus segment at relay.fm slash membership. All right. So the WWDC that happened this week was stacked it was absolutely Ooh, stacked. stacked it was great uh so there were many 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 announcements the biggest 
among them probably, or at least the splashiest, uh, the Vision Pro, uh, not VR, don't call it VR, but it is VR and AR headset, uh, which I'll say a little more about in a second, as well as, of course, a new MacBook Air. Uh, we've got new versions of Mac OS. We got iOS. We got iPad OS. We got new apps. We got new features. Um, it, and possibly one of the most exciting and unexpected frankly developments for mac os gaming yes uh, which we will certainly talk God. about uh let's get some this uh, is gonna be a 10-hour show isn't it it can't be a 10-hour show it can't be a because i have show. to go to work <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say and i have i, I have massive work things to do as well so unfortunately I honestly we'll here's quick. what i'm gonna say to listeners right off the bat i don't know how we're gonna how we're gonna divvy this up but there might be some stuff that we have to cover next week but i'm gonna try to do i'm gonna try to get it uh done as much as possible to first starters uh the macbook air let's just say 15 inch macbook air Yay. oh god it's joining oh. its fellow 13-inch MacBook Airs. Love it. Uh, it uh, so and it falls between, of course, the two sizes of Mac Pro, uh, the MacBook Pro, the 14-inch and 16-inch models. Um, and, 18 hours and, of battery life, and and the 13-inch Pro, which needs to die. And yeah, that's well. Hopefully, soon we won't have to speak of her ever yes. again. <laughs> 18 hours of battery life, 1080p webcam, uh, M2 chip, two USB-C Thunderbolt ports uh, supporting a 6K external to play at 60 hertz. Currently uh, running macOS Ventura when it starts shipping uh, will be updated to Sonoma, of course, in the fall. It's available next week. Um, so yeah, this solid middle-of-the-road model uh, for a MacBook Air that makes sense any yeah. feel any strong feelings about it so do i need to i am so unhappy <gasps> with my 14 inch macbook pro not Why? in the sense of, it's a great computer it's a great computer great keyboard um light easy to carry around but the screen i wish so badly that i'd made your decision christina and gotten the 16 inch and i see this it looks so portable and i can put it in my gorgeous camera bag that i just got i i don't know this is really tempting yeah so i have a 14 and a 16 inch and i do have to say i use the i've been using the 16 inch more um over the last year and and i still love the 14 inch but but i have I do really enjoy the size of the 16. I think that this 15 inch is going to be also, we should mention too, a couple, a couple of things. A, the, the um, 13 inch MacBook Air that came out last year, the redesign is now $100 cheaper, which Ooh. is great. Yes. Um, B, this starts at $12.99. You only get eight gigs of RAM, which I think is is garbage. Nope. And, and that <laughs> Apple should absolutely be embarrassed and ashamed for doing that. Having said that, I think the price on this is really good. And I think that this is going to be the laptop for most people. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was interviewing my uh, my CEO <clears throat> the other day, and before we started our interview, we were talking about some stuff, and, and he even mentioned he was like, "This could even be like a great kind of default device for for hubbers." And I was like, "You're right, because especially <gasps> if you're using cloud environments, right? Like this, honestly, I think." I think this is going to kind of become the de facto laptop for a lot of people because I think the price is 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 right and I think that the size, the performance and the battery life are going to be just totally on point. So So this is what I wanted to ask is um do you think this is going to have enough power that pro users can actually oh, use yeah. it as their machine? Oh yeah. Oh totally. Because I so know So what's the differentiating thing between this and the MacBook Pro? 
Well, I mean, that can obviously be even more powerful and it has an even more powerful GPU. It can have more RAM. It can be connected to more external displays. So if you need more than, um, I, I think, I'd have to check. I think it's only uh, one external display that you can have it connected to. Um, so so, so I, there, mm. there, there are some trade-offs, but I think that for, like, I know a ton of people who are pros, who use it as pros, who have a MacBook Air from last year. Um, that that's now, you know, um, a hundred dollars cheaper. So I think that if you're not connecting it to a bunch of external displays and if you don't need more than 24 gigs of Ram, um, which I think is what it maxes out at, I I think that this is absolutely going to be good enough. I I think that if you need more than that, then obviously the the 14 inch and the Mm -hmm. 16 inch are where you go. But I think that this is just as, as we've said for years now, you know, like the MacBook Air has been like the default laptop. I think that the 15 inch is going to really become the default. Yeah, I think we can get into the Mac Pro later in the show, but that looks really, really compelling uh, in my view. Um, So, but we'll we'll come back around to that. I I, I I totally agree. Yeah, it's just kind of squeezing it out of the. um, I I think there's increasingly less of a a space with the Pro. This this looks so good uh, in my view, at least. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's exciting because, as you pointed out, Christina. The M2 13-inch MacBook Air, $100 cheaper. It's $1099 now. And the M1 Air, uh, still $999. But like for me in my personal life where uh, I actually no longer use my beloved uh, 20, what is it, 2015 uh, 12-inch MacBook Pro uh, because it has become somewhat slow and old, that like 1099 13-inch Air starting to look really good because that's the size that I like for my personal stuff where I don't do any of the video editing uh, that I would do on the larger like 15-inch, 16-inch laptop. Because you right. need the bigger screen for that. Totally. Um, but if I get a new laptop. If you get another laptop, yeah, you could get you could get the 13-inch, still get it in a fun color, have MagSafe. Yeah, I mean, I I think that this, it's not really a surprise. We'll see people's reviews next week. Um, but but I, I have a feeling they're all going to be great. Um, there have been, I, I think that honestly, like if you, if for, for me, if you are somebody who is searching for like a, you know, 13 to $1,500 laptop, I think that this is going to be really hard to beat Mm -hmm. um, no matter what platform you're getting it on. For sure. And it will in the fall be running macOS Sonoma, uh, the uh, updated version of macOS that I am scrolling through my notes and realizing I didn't write down any notes for except perhaps the uh, Mac gaming notes, which we were all really excited about. So one of the things that they showed off was uh, a new feature called Game Porting Toolkit, which lets developers port Windows games to Mac. Um, includes things like a metal a shader converter to metal, uh, but also very excitingly is this YouTube video that you linked, Christina, um, from a uh, YouTuber named, please load that in, Andrew Tsai, an emulation environment that is intended to let developers check, like, hey, how is my game going to run yeah. when it's been put through this DirectX, this this emulator uh, that will make it? It's, it, yeah. it's not an emulator. Um, it, so, so, so it is it is a translation layer, um, the, which, which is a minor thing, but people will get mad if, if we call it an emulator because sure. the thing that it's using is, is uh, an open source program called Wine, which stands for quite literally, Wine is not an emulator. <laughs> and um, and so what this is is that this is the same thing that Proton, which Valve uses um, to bring 
Windows games to their Linux-based platform. It, it's it's very similar technology. So basically what this is, is this is a translation layer that basically takes Windows DirectX 12 calls that are in .exe packaged files, converts them into, and, and, and keep in mind, these are 64-bit like x86 files. And it basically converts those calls into something that can be played not only on a Mac, but also in an ARM 64 environment. So it's it's using the Rosetta 2 layer um, translation layer that, that Mac OS has had um, for the last couple of years for the Apple Silicon um, uh, chips that basically lets you play, you know, use Intel apps on Apple Silicon without any slowdown. It's it's taking that technology and then it's adding in a DirectX 12 layer. Now, why is this? Why is DirectX 12 important? DirectX 12 is is basically what all of the modern games use. DirectX 13 is actually out, but DirectX 12 is what is what games use. Previous versions of Wine for for um, um, Mac, which most people get um, using a commercial software um, uh, from a company called Code Weavers, known as Crossover. They are primarily the commercial sponsors of of, of Wine. Um, we'll do DirectX 11 and some older versions. Mm. And so you can have some, at least for x86 purposes, like meaning Intel Macs, you could have some conversions for some older games and have pretty decent results. But it didn't work until very recently with DirectX 12. And, and Crossover actually announced two days ago, completely independently, that they had cracked DirectX 12 support for some games. Then Apple swoops in, and as part of this game um, uh, a developer uh, toolkit, what they actually did with this, this is really fascinating. They yeah. they have a 20,000-line patch inside <laughs> this toolkit. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. What they basically did is they patched ARM, or not ARM, they, they, they patched Wine um, inside a homebrew file. It was the most backwards way I've ever seen of patching something. They didn't submit it upstream with the project. Instead, they have a homebrew file where in that homebrew file is a, is a, is a diff statement that is literally more than 20,000 lines of code that adds in a bunch of instructions and then also links to an additional Apple um, uh, kind of uh, um, internal program that, that you would want installed. But when you have all this running and already homebrew enthusiasts uh, and, and kind of uh, normal normies have gotten this working, you can basically take uh, an, an EXE file of a game, you can load it into this, and then you can like find out will this work on Apple Silicon or not. And here's the amazing thing. Out of the box already, it's almost as if they've tested this. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, that is my <laughs> that is my almost explicit way of saying this was absolutely tested in advance. Uh, many of the top games on the market work remarkably well without any modifications, without even having to go through some of the shader stuff, without having to go through optimizations for, for metal. It works out of the box. So like Diablo 4 is 60 frames per second on an M2 wow. max on the Mac running through this, this, um, this, this, um, you know, translation layer, um, yeah. you know, people have been getting cyberpunk running. They've been getting Grand Theft Auto, you know, um, a five running. They've been, um, getting all kinds of games running and this is with zero modifications. So this, I think. And it's has not even like officially out yet, right? Because exactly. it, it's for devs. Yeah. It's for devs. Um, there have been a couple of front ends. We'll have it a uh, link below. Somebody has created this thing called Whiskey, which they're calling like a stronger version of wine to try to make it easy to load huh. things like Steam and other programs. You'll need to use Sonoma. That's one of the other things too. This is only on Mac OS. Um, uh, Sonoma right now, um, although some people have even been able to get it to work on, on Ventura. 
But like you can imagine just how how easily this is going to make it for games that, let's be completely candid, would never come to Mac OS. Nope. Ever. Because the devs are not going to invest the money and and nor should they, to be totally honest. Um, will be working. And I would be shocked. This is my prediction. I don't have any inside knowledge on this. Um, unlike the way I have knowledge of how some of those games may have been tested and advanced. <clears throat> they totally were. Um, <laughs> I have no inside knowledge of this, but I would be shocked if Steam for Mac in in the fall does not have an official like it like invocation of this so oh, that you can play a ton of 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 Steam games um on on Mac on on Apple Silicon um very similar to the same way that Steam Play on you know Steam OS on on the Steam Deck is is running on on Proton I'd be shocked if if this isn't adopted by Steam so or by Valve rather so really exciting so there are presumably some downsides to this, correct? I mean, um, oh, yeah. uh, we will, we won't know for sure how bad the hit is, but anything that you're running a hit, uh, sure. non-natively is going to have a, uh, a frame rate hit. And I think yep. because so many people um, use Macintosh apps for the battery life, right? Um, I think there's there's almost certainly going to be a, a power cost if you're sure. you know basically doing it through that. Not to say like you shouldn't do this or it's not a good idea. Um, you know, sixty frames per second on Diablo Four, it's great. I mean, I think that a lot of people are going to play that, but I also think that kind of speaks to the you know the performance cost of this. Diablo is not the the most no. you know, extensive <laughs> although, game ever. Yeah, I know. Although I will note, no Mac that you can buy has higher frame rate than sixty frames per second. So, like, like it doesn't have a higher refresh rate on the, on, the, on the screens. Really? Um, well, I mean, I guess technically you can if you're using like the fourteen and sixteen inch MacBook Pros. Like, they technically have like Apple like motion or whatever. But for the most part, like most most of the machines that they sell and and the screens they sell, except for the XDR Max, do not have a higher refresh rate. Hmm. And and people have a very difficult time using high refresh monitors for gaming on the Mac. So you're not wrong on that. But I'm just saying, like beggars can't be choosers. Like, oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like there, there will be performance hits. There'll be some games that will not work well. This is not going to turn your Mac suddenly into an amazing gaming machine. However, mm-hmm. it is bringing, in my opinion, this is going to bring a whole wave of, you know, games, even in, in, an, unoptim- ugh, in an unoptimized state to the platform that would never have come otherwise. 100%. Um, and, and potentially what, devs who wanted to put in a little bit of work could do is they could make some modifications to make them work even better, which, which is, which is what Apple presumably Mm -hmm. wants people to do. But in my opinion, I think that a lot of this is going to kind of convince, especially on older games, like if, if, you know, which is basically what all Apple shows off in their gaming demos anyway, are like four year old plus games. Yeah. This is going to be a, a really big boon. Yeah, I, I feel like certainly I, I, I don't see it as a thing that is going to like convert anyone who's like waffling between a, a Windows laptop and an Apple laptop. And if gaming is important to them, they'll probably choose the Windows laptop just because yeah. it's going to be easier. However, I do think it's really cool, A, just because I think having games be playable by more people is a very good thing. Yeah. And also just for just for ease of life because like as a person who like does have access to a windows laptop and an apple laptop through work 
when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, I'm going to play a game on the thing that's most convenient to me. And I'm using my MacBook all day long because I prefer it immensely. And for me, this is just awesome because it's like, oh, maybe at the end of the day, if I want to like crack open Steam and play something, I don't put that off because right. I don't want to clear off my <laughs> clear off my whole oh, stupid Windows gaming station. Um, I can just do it right on this laptop. Um, so I, I think a lot of people are pretty psyched about this. And I'm sure, I mean, with the people it does open a, up a new market for are developers who maybe have uh, gaming customers who can purchase their games on uh, on on Steam and play them on their Apple on their Macs or 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 they could submit them to the Mac App Store more easily Ooh. if they wanted to do that. You know, I think that's probably Apple's goal, right? Like I yeah, think what sure. they probably want yeah. them to do, do you is think they'll accept that. Yeah. Yeah, I think what they would do is that they would make some modifications they would need to in the system and then it, technically the terms of service like depending on how you read them they're kind of like, "Oh, you can't just repackage an EXE and and yeah. submit it to the Mac App Store." However, that's exactly like what Proton does and I I'm going to be honest. I think that, I don't think you release something like this and I don't think that you have it tested on as many games as you have it tested on if you're not doing it with kind of the tacit like acknowledgement that most most studios are not mm-hmm. going to publishers are not going to go through the song and dance to make it really good for the Mac because look, they've been trying to make metal a thing for 10 years. It's not yeah. a thing. No yeah. one in 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 you know game dev as as you've talked about for years Brianna is embracing it. Apple has a non-existent relationship with, um, with you know, uh, uh, Epic and Unreal, and um, <laughs> so worse than non-existent. <laughs> they have a non-existent relationship with Nvidia. Like it, you know, the like the the, the things are stacked against mm-hmm. Mac gamers. But I I feel like the, I would be I would be surprised if you didn't see at least some game companies, and I'm sure that they would work out whatever the hard requirements are from from Apple. To see if okay, what modifications can we make to submit this to the Mac App Store if we want to sell it that way? Um, but I, I'm fully expecting, and again, I don't have any inside knowledge on this. This is just a hunch, purely. But I, I'm fully expecting for Steam to, you know, adopt this um, in, mm-hmm. in in the fall. Yeah. No, I, I I do think the fact that uh, Apple Taylor Swifted their uh, relationship with Epic is going to. Um, <laughs> It's going to uh, affect the ease of uh, perhaps King Unreal Engine uh, support uh, for some games porting that over. It's kind yeah. of an important player in x86 uh, games. Uh, I I don't know. I it's not that I think you're wrong, Christina. It's that I I I'm not as certain just because I I think if they can open the door to just accepting, you know, games ported through x86, like everyone's going to do that. And sooner or later, it's going to obviate a lot of the advantages of Apple Silicon, depending on what the, uh, you know, the power cost is for that. But, you know, maybe at this point, they just don't. Oh, well, I was yeah. going to say, okay, well, what's the alternative that, yeah. that you make it, yeah. you make everybody do it natively and, 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 and go through like a, be Asper and, 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 or Aspire and, and, and do like the, you know, the really hard work so that five people buy your game. I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't see like, to me, it's, it's a chicken and egg problem and it's been that way for years. I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, this is finally a tacit acknowledgement that the AAA gaming scene is never coming to Mac. And that this is maybe the best way to actively bring people to it. Yeah, it's kind of a big acknowledgement to make. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, next up, we are actually going to throw to an interview uh, that Christina has done to talk about the Vision Pro with somebody who actually used it. So let's roll to that right now. All right. So we've talked enough about our impressions from the outside of the Apple Vision Pro. Still a terrible name. But let's now talk with someone who has actually used it, has actually had this on his face. Um, a little bit of a, of a VR veteran, I think, AR veteran, uh, we should say, my very good friend, Mr. Raymond Wong, who is the deputy editor at Inverse. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for joining me, I guess I should say, you were at the event and you got to play with the Apple Vision Pro, like high level, just like, what's your first impression? First off, thank you. Thank you for having me. But also, you think the name is terrible? Yes. You think it's bad? I Why do. Why is it bad? It, <sighs> Apple Vision is a good name. Apple Vision Pro, it just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's just, it. It, I, I, it, it's the same reason I don't like any of these like pro max, whatever ultra, like I just, it, it doesn't feel good. It just feels like Apple vision. Like if that's what you called it, I would totally be down for, but I feel like Apple vision pro and, and maybe that's so they differentiate like in five years or two years when we get like the cheap one that everybody can actually right. buy. But I don't know. I just, it, it feels clunky. I think I looked at the Apple website and it says just vision instead of like Apple watch. Like, you know how it looks like yeah. iPhone and just like, it just has vision. So I think you're right that it leaves room for them to like bring out an air or a, I don't know, lower model, a regular yeah. version, you know, non-pro model. Um, I think it's all right. I think the name is all right. Okay. okay. Um, but all right, we can agree to disagree. We can agree but, to disagree. Yeah. But talk to me about the experience. Oh my God. It was mind blowing. Like I think everyone had very high expectations because, you know, the bar was pretty low. I mean, the bar was like an Oculus Quest, an Oculus Quest 2, uh, Quest Pro. And I don't know if you've ever used the color passer on the Quest Pro, but it's definitely like distorted. Like it's yeah. not one to one, doesn't feel quite perfect. But this is just on another level. The hardware obviously is like, out of this world apple knocked it out of the park and it feels like it feels like a, a device that's from the future three thousand dollars like it feels so dense so delicate like oh my god you don't you you hold it in your hand you're like i cannot possibly like fling this around toss it on the bed you're gonna break it right um and then uh in terms of just like using it you know i only had a 30 minute demo they only gave 30 minute demos to all the journalists and youtubers and from the very like set up i just got sucked in you get sucked in right away like there's a quick little brief setup for you to like you know set up so that you um the head so that they can figure out which light seal to use for your for your uh your face use an iphone to kind of like do a face scan a head scan of your ears your front face and then you hop in and there you there's like a, a bunch of dots on the screen right and you just kind of look at the dots to set up the eye tracking it's super fast super easy all you have to do is look at it and then they ask you to hold your hands out in front of you and that's it your hands are instantly set up and you're tracked and then you press the digital crown and boom you're got this like home screen layout um, which is kind of a mix between like an iPhone, iPad and the Apple watch honeycomb like uh, mm -hmm. layout. And then, you know, you just see the color pass through. They, they never really call it a color pass through. They just call it like, you know, reality. But if you look closely, it's not quite perfect. You can see some fringing, 
but it's very high res um, and you really can't see the pixels. Um, and then, yeah, you basically just look at things. <laughs> it sounds weird. It sounds like impossible, but you look at the icons and then you just like pinch your fingers to like click them or tap them. And then you like pinch it again and then drag, um, sorry, um, pinch it again to like drag windows around. It's really impressive. And right from the get-go, like I, I just got hooked. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by the tech. Um, it's definitely like cutting edge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I wish back up a little bit because you and I, we were texting before we were texting before you had your demo and like, you seemed a little bit nonplussed, like at, at the, at, at the event itself, like you were not mm. feeling it. Like you were, we were both pretty critical of the price and you were like, what is this? And we were both, like, you were texting me all like, kinds yeah. of stuff. Like you were not happy about it. So I will say that I didn't get to see myself and the whole eyesight thing where you, your eyes are like, you know, represented uh, right. on the outside of the headset. <laughs> so I don't know right. how stupid I looked. I'm sure the two Apple spokesmen uh, spokespeople in the room watching my eye reaction <laughs> just inside from outside. It I saw everything, but like, uh, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, how I don't think you look. I was gonna say if the experience is good, I don't think it matters. But but you but I'm I'm, I'm just saying like you were somebody who went into this like you said the expectations are were high, but the bar mm-hmm. was low. But also you were like didn't seem super like excited. You weren't super hype like during the keynote. Like after the keynote, like I, it didn't feel like from talking to you that you were that into it. I I just didn't feel that excitement in the air. Like I sat in the keynote at Apple Park. And usually during these types of like big product announcements, there is like an overwhelming sense of enthusiasm or some kind of like applause or some kind of yeah. like vibe in the air. And it just, it was just so muted. Everyone was just like, oh, and then moved along, <laughs> which was very weird. And I don't know if that was because like the whole presentation was like pre-recorded, And so we yeah. were all just sitting there watching a screen and it wasn't a live demo or anything, but it just didn't feel like everyone was like cheering. Nobody cheered at all during this announcement, which I found a little weird. That is um, weird. And maybe it was because of the price. It was yeah. just like so out of, or maybe it's just because we had, we had been hearing about these rumors, looking at these, you know, artists created renders and leaks for so long. And then when it finally arrived, it was just like, Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You know? Well, and I wonder too, if it's one of those things that, and maybe this is probably going to be like, to me, I think this is probably going to be one of their biggest challenges and and it is a good reason why Apple has so many Apple stores. So I wonder if this is one of those products that you really do have to use and experience to get excited about. Like, I don't know. I mean, and, and to a certain extent, the Quest and other things like that are like that too, right? Like you really don't yeah. know like why anybody would care until you experience it yourself. And and then of course, those things are exciting the first time you use it, but then you run up against, you know, a lot of the um, the, the problems. But it seems like this one like you are really impressed. It seems like the eye tracking, everybody's been saying, uh, our friend Brian Tong like had a great video um, uh, that he did like right after his demo and, and he was talking about the eye tracking. Like everybody is just saying that it is mm-hmm. dead on, which is really impressive. It, and, it is, yeah. And it seems like the resolution is really high, but it just, maybe it's, maybe this is one of those things that you really do have to like seeing is believing. Like maybe that, that'll be their tagline. Like you're going to have to go into an Apple store and actually yeah. experience it. I think that'll be their advantage. They have retail uh, space to let people co- go in there and demo. It's not like Facebook or actually like Meta, right? They don't have retail uh, opportunities to let people try these things. And so they're kind of like handicapped a little bit. It's not just seeing, it's also just like you just reach out and touch it. It's like 
I liken it to that feeling the very first time I saw Click Wheel, you know, on an yeah. iPod. Where I was, I owned an MP3 player, and then this kid had in high school had like a, a an iPod with a Click Wheel, and I was, he was just like whirling around, like spinning through the the UI so fast, and I was like. I have to like, I need that. I'll get a part-time job. And I did. Right. And I ended up buying one and everyone wanted that. Yeah. It was the first time, like an iPhone, you saw how you touched the iPhone. It was so smooth. Like it wasn't like a, a Palm Pilot. It wasn't a resistive touchscreen. It was like something so fluid. And I think the second you touch or feel like you're grabbing the windows, you're going to be like, that's the magic. It's not even just like, I don't. I don't even think I concerned myself so much with like the, the the displays and the fidelity of that. It was really about seeing the virtual windows, seeing them not flicker. You know, like sometimes when you're in like you're playing with VR, you're moving augmented reality objects, and you even see this on like iPhone, right, and iPad mm-hmm. when you use the uh, device to like kind of display augmented reality objects. Like they don't stay perfectly in space, three D space. They're like not stable, right, and this was just so smooth. It was like so perfectly stable. You never saw any flickering. I never saw any flickering. And objects, you know, you can really like drag them to with such a precision that it there was no lag, no latency. And I don't know. It's it's one of those like magical moments where it's like, okay, wow, this is like the next thing. Air gestures, right? Like gestures yeah. is the next thing. No, I mean, so watching just like, it's funny because you mentioned this when we were texting and and John Gruber mentioned it in his piece, but I was also, when I was texting with other people, including some former um, Apple um, people who had seen it before it it launched, um, I I, I kept liking it too in my mind when I was watching like the the keynote, I was like, this is like Minority Report. Yeah. And that is my favorite. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I think that it is the best, like, future predictive sci-fi movie. It's, it's 21 years old. I think it's mm-hmm. nailed a lot of stuff. And I also think that it's, you know, um, kind of, um, it, like influenced a lot of things too, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, you know, uh, fun fact, capacitive, uh, touch or not capacitive touch, but multi-touch gestures, that technology came out, uh, from, um, certain labs, like certain, um, engineers who then were consultants on minority report and then minority right. report, like had that idea. And then that was brought into real products. So it kind of makes sense that you're, you're like these air gestures that just being able mm-hmm. to kind of control things with your fingers, with your eyes. That's really yeah. powerful. That's a really powerful interface. I think, especially for this kind of tech, if you're actually expecting people to, to use these things for a lot yeah. of different purposes and not just games, which, you know, that, that was one of the things a lot of people have feedback on. They're like, there's no controller and, right. and it's sounding like you're saying, yeah, cause there doesn't have to be. I think because like, I've seen so much of the developing tech, like I've seen the Toby eye dragging stuff yep. as it like evolved over the last like, you know, 10 years. Right. Yep. I've seen the air gestures from like leap motion and mm-hmm. like, et cetera. Right. And the stuff with just wasn't, hasn't been there. And for Apple to just walk in here and be like, well, we, <laughs> here we it did is. It. We did it. Here it is. Uh, and make it like perfect. This, I know everyone's been saying it's a, it feels like a dev kit. It's a gen zero this thing is so much more polished than people realize. Like literally I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You have to try it. You, the second you grab a window and you can move it anywhere, like it doesn't snap. It doesn't do like, you can move it anywhere forward, backward, anywhere above you, below you. Um, you're going to understand the power of this thing. Like I was on a FaceTime call with another Apple 
uh, employee and their persona was like being displayed in a little window. Right. And he encouraged me to move the window around me just to kind of get a sense of how the audio moves around in spatial in, in, in 3d space. Right. And so I grabbed this window and just like moved from left to right, but also like up and down. I literally put his window like between my legs, like on the floor and his voice was coming up at me. Like it was like, he was like talking from like below my crotch, which sounds weird. I know, (laughs) but like you can, there was no lag, no latency. It just felt like his, he had suddenly moved below me and above me. And like, even when you like try to drag his window and like move it around really quickly, there is no like, you know, worrying or like delay of the, the audio. And I think that's what makes it so convincing. Like it just feels so natural. Um, and, you know, I know we've said, said so many times, like, okay, you reach out and you touch a touch screen. It feels so natural. Even like a baby can do it, right? Like imagine a baby just like <laughs> looking at a screen and then just like reaching out and trying to grab something and boom, like they actually figure it out. They learn how to use this computer. I've always been saying like Apple's greatest, like, you know, uh, kind of contribution to like technology is just making things so input so easy. You know, they know how to like find a technology and then translate it into something that like anyone of any age can understand right um and i think that's just just a powerful like effect um and yeah it's not like vr i think a lot of people are like misunderstanding that what it is it's not like vr it's actually i think the the term they use is actually accurate a spatial computer because it is a computer you can actually do work in here like i've tried the quest and quest pro and the resolution Mm -hmm. is so low you cannot actually see text and no. this is like there and yeah i'm 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 really impressed um the only thing is like the battery life i think right um, yeah. everyone's really skeptical well, and the about price. that but and the price and the price i guess if you're like sitting you know you're sitting and you're working with multiple windows then like you know the battery is not a big problem you can plug it in and kind of like you plug in a macbook um but yeah i don't know this is a kind of like a next level kind of computer I mean, that, 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 that I think is, is a great point because it, it's not VR, right? Like a lot of people I think are being like, obviously you can watch 3D movies and, and have those experiences, but it really felt like a lot of it, like you have spatial awareness, but it's not like you're interacting with things in 3D or in VR. Like they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're like 2D windows, it seems like, which is great. It's just within, you know, your entire vision is just like your, your canvas. Ben Thompson said, said it best. I think he wrote a great piece. And he said that Apple uh, didn't mention presence once, like the feeling of like 3D presence. And that's something that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has been very like, you know, adamant about. He's touted that greatly for um, the Quest. And that's like a social thing uh, to make a social device and platform. And Apple really didn't say much about like this being a social platform. No, no. I mean, they're more like, this is a thing to get done. And right. enjoy entertainment, which yeah. is what a computer is. Which is exactly what a computer is. I, that I actually think was probably one of the most interesting parts of the positioning to me. I mean, like when I say that I think that it's a dev kit, to be clear, I don't think of that in terms of polish because that most Apple dev mm-hmm. kits are actually pretty polished. I think about it just in terms of like its price and like mm-hmm. who its target market is right now, um, b- which, which you know, they're selling it as a consumer product, but this is this is not like the, this is this is a right now anyway, like you will have rich people like, you know, people like me, I'm not rich, but like people like me with the disposable income who will buy it. But I don't, I don't think this is necessarily, um, going to be a thing that this first version of you have 
you know, the, the price is just too high. You're not going to have the masses here. But I feel like the positioning of it, this, like, they didn't even really talk about games. You know, it's about, like, this is another computer. This is another platform. This is how you can get work done. You can talk to people. You can watch movies. You can have mm-hmm. Excel. I, I kind of like that. I kind of feel like that's um, maybe provides, like, more value. Like, I was going to ask you, like, what, what, how, how, do you, how would you see yourself using this in your day-to-day life? Like, let's just pretend that you can own one of these put the pricing mm-hmm. stuff aside. Like this is something yeah. that, that Ray, not, not, you know, as like your role of like, I'm using this, um, as a review unit, but like, I'm going to yeah. use this in my real life. Like, how would you use this? Uh, absolutely. As a multi-screen computer, um, just being able to just imagine being anywhere on a plane in a cafe and being able to juggle multiple screens, something you cannot do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, without physical space, right? And you can make these screens as small, as large as you want them, and you can position them wherever you want in your periphery. Um, I think that is the use case number one. Number two is just a enormous theater-sized screen. Now, I've used a lot of these like video glasses, yep. the Enreal uh, Air. Um, yeah, I I've almost used the bought that. Ones. I almost bought that. I'm glad I didn't now. I've even used like Quest to watch Netflix on a theater size screen and it's just not the same, you know, like they can tell, they always tell like, Oh, 210 inches. I've even used PSVR too. Um, and they tell like, okay, you've got a 210 inch uh, screen, but it doesn't feel like it because the field of view is so narrow, often very, very, very small that it, you never really get that like, enormity that sense of enormity right um that you do when you're in a theater and you really kind of get that uh in vision pro and then i guess the third case is kind of like really communication right i can see yourself uh having more immersive conversations with people now i'm not so sure about the like spatial photos memories thing i think that's kind of cool um but also understand the backlash of like, okay, do I want this thing when well, I'm trying to like remember and s- enjoy a very like important right. moment of like, say your kid's life. Do you want your kid to like see you with In these things, things strapped to your face? Totally. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a miss, but um, you know, this price, I don't think it's as outrageous as people think it is. If you think about like an MP3 player, a cheap MP3 player be- during the iPod era, an iPod was like 10 times the price of like a cheap MP3 yeah. player, right? Like you could buy an MP3 player for like 30 bucks, 50 bucks, right? Well, I think they and, were like 100, 110. And then the iPod was like 400 is when it, when it, when it debuted. Right. Yeah. But it was like an order of magnitude sure. more expensive than whatever the default or like the, you know, mainstream version was. And it's the same for like a laptop or any product that Apple really sells, right? Like an yeah. iPhone or an iPad oh, yeah. or whatever. And I can see why they, they've, you know, priced it so aggressively. Well, they're, they ha- they're not going to lose money on this. No, I was going to say they have to, right? Because the tech is too good. Like if anything, the margins on it, in my estimation, are probably not as good as their usual margins are, which are usually like right. know, 35 to 40%. So, you know, they, they probably, they, they need to make up the, all the, the R&D and whatnot and sell it as a premium product. For me, mm-hmm. I think the thing on the price it's not that I think that the price is wrong per se. I just don't think that even no matter how good it is, it's mm. just $3,500 is not something that many people have to spend on yeah. 
what is not going to be a primary computing device, right? Like you could maybe make an argument, okay, like I, I could spend $2,000 on my laptop or $1,500 on my yeah. phone because that's going to be my, my main thing. But I don't know if out the gate you can convince a lot of people to say, I'm going to spend $3,500 on, on this thing. Well, the thing is, it's not an accessory though. Right. It's not I know like it's, it's right. a external display. It is a full-blown computer with an operating system on it, right? It has apps. No, totally. I'm just saying like, I, I don't feel like there are many people <laughs> who are going to buy this as their primary computer. That's all I'm saying. Like out of the gate. Like, 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 like maybe in a couple of years. Much, how much, how much would it have to be, do you think, for people to like actually buy as their primary computer? Um, I think it would need to be like the $1,500 to $2,000 range. I just, I just think, I just think 3,500 is, is, I mean, people, you can get a car for that much. I think that's just a lot of money, <laughs> not a good car, I mean, but yeah, like, you sure. know what I mean? But like a used car, I'm just saying like for a lot of people, yeah. that's just going to be out of reach. That said, like, mm-hmm. I think that the value that it's offering, I think is there. Like I've already justified it to myself being like, well, it's cheaper than, you know, a, a, an XDR display. And, and yeah. it's, you know, I, I, it's cheaper than having a bunch of other things. Like I can, I can self justify. I'm just trying to think like for, for people like my mom, like what I can't do yeah. is I can't like convince myself that I'll buy one and then I'll buy multiple for my parents. Right. Right. Like I'm not at that point. Right. Like that, that's, right. I've, I'm not, I, I, I don't have that level of, of disposable income to just be able to get mm-hmm. multiples. But to your point too, like. It is interesting. What if it's not designed for everybody? I, I know. I agree. Yeah. Apple is perfectly okay with this being a next tier device above a Mac because it offers that di- dimension, third dimension. Yeah. And they're perfectly happy selling everyone else a MacBook or yeah. you know MacBook Pro or Mac whatever iPhone iPad. And I think that works. I think the only challenge there is you have to make sure that that ecosystem is big enough that like you have third parties who actually want to invest the time in it. Um, because you're right, you know, you have a lot of like luxury cars who still Mm -hmm. engender a really high, you know, satisfied user base. It's not like you have tons and tons of users, but it's profitable. And then you have accessories and things like that for it that can make it profitable for everyone. Um, I think that's just where you have to get to that equilibrium where you can sell enough of them so that developers and I, by developers, I don't just mean, uh, big companies like, like, you know, Cisco and, and Microsoft and whoever can actually, invest in saying, okay, we're going to build software for this thing. Uh, I think, I think yeah. that's, I think that's the balance. And I, and I, I think that, I think they'll get there. I mean, I, you know, I, I hope they'll get there, but I also feel like it seems like, and they were kind of, you know, made it, made it clear in the keynote, like this, this is the start of a journey. This is not the destination. Mm. This is like the first step. So right. you can imagine that especially things like battery life weight. I wanted to ask you to like, yeah. Was it heavy? Did you have nausea? Like, what was that experience like? Because you've been you've worn a lot of these things. So, talk yeah. about that experience. It was actually heavier than I thought it would be. I was hoping that it would be a lot lighter. Yeah. Um, but I also understand why it's made out of like all this glass, and it's made out of all aluminum, and it's got you know all these chips inside, two chips inside, um, and all these cameras and eye tracking sensors and etc. So. You know, I only wore it for 30 minutes. The battery is supposed to have a 20 minute, uh, sorry, two hour runtime. And so I use it for one fourth of the time, right? And I, I gotta say, like midway through, like the headset started feeling a little bit like front heavy, you know, mm-hmm. like it just felt like it was like sliding off my face. Now, my face didn't get sweaty um, because I wasn't like doing all these like sweeping motions or anything as I would in uh, a Quest 2. But 
you know, I, it is a little heavy. But the head strap is really nice. Um, and the battery, honestly, wasn't really an issue. It sat next to me on the sofa. And like I said, if you're probably sitting while you're computing, you're probably going to have it just plugged in. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what's interesting is they didn't really show a whole lot of it. Like, they did show some people walking around, like, going into the refrigerator and stuff. But it didn't seem like mm-hmm. this was one of those things where, like, it's nice that you don't have to be tethered. But it seemed like in most yeah. of the scenarios, you will be in a stationary place. So if the battery isn't good enough, like you could at least, if you're, if you notice it's running low, like you can come in and plug in, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I even asked Apple about that. Like, what if you don't just don't have pockets? <laughs> yeah. like, what do you do there? And they're like, well, uh, we think people will, f- will figure a way. Well, they'll find a place to put it. And I'm like, okay. Like what? Yeah. You're going to stuff it in your bra. You're going to put it in your like, say, you know, I was pants. Like, it's, I don't like, know. like it's weird to me. They didn't have a clip on it. Cause that would make sense on the battery. Like just put a clip on the battery. You know what I mean? You I'm, can make, make a really nice one. I'm sure people will sell them and sell yeah. pouches. Or, or Apple could sell a case. Like, remember the original iPod? Like, it came with a case that had mm-hmm. a clip on it that it went into. They, they, it, it was, it was like neoprene. Like, yeah. There will probably be third-party oh, accessories, yeah. too. That's true. Like, like, magically, has a little, like, clip that you can, like, put on, onto, yeah. your, clip onto your pants. So, But, yeah, you know, just have, like, a little, like, pocket, you know, thing that can hold the battery and that has a clip on the outside and you just clip it on. It would be like Blackberries, like, when we all used to have holster clips for our Blackberries. <laughs> no. It's like dad core. It, it is dad core. It is dad core. Like well, that's the thing. Pouch. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not sexy, but I don't know if it matters. I feel like, A, I don't know how many people you're actually going to be around with this thing. Yeah. And B, like, if you've got it, if the experience is so good, then, like, do you care? I think most people probably overlook it. It's kind of like, I don't know, everyone made fun of AirPods, remember totally. that? Totally. Uh, well, yeah, when they I, first I, came out, and then... I didn't. I was like, this is going to be a hit. Yeah, totally. Like, because my, my, my longstanding belief is that white headphones are the most enduring fashion trend of the last 20 years. Yeah, I agree. If you think about it, like, literally since the iPod, like, white, white earbuds are the most enduring thing. Like, that's remained in fashion, literally. Yeah. For for 20 years. If it's so good, people will not care whether it looks bad. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think this is this is one of those things. Um, and I I honestly wish they had done a, a live demo to like really show, but it's also like impossible to show people what I was gonna say, like. I was gonna say, I don't know how you demo this. Like HoloLens had the same problem and and you and I were working together when HoloLens mm-hmm. was introduced. And obviously HoloLens, a lot of these ideas they were trying to do and and disclosure i used to work at microsoft i still work at a company owned by microsoft but like they they they've tried to make that a thing and it hasn't worked but like once you actually experienced it and that's what i was going to kind of like kind of close with like you had this really small field of view like it was impressive mm-hmm. but the demos they tried to show you didn't live up to reality so how um you know Putting aside the fact that this was obviously a very staged demo and you couldn't go off the rails yeah. and they were presented, like how accurate was what we saw in the keynote to what your actual experience was? I would say like spot on, like spot on. Um, you know, I don't think they, they, Apple is a company that likes to represent their products realistically. Yeah. They're not trying to play games. They're not trying to fool people. Um, because they'll they know that they'll they'll get they'll get dunked on you know if it doesn't feel like it they're it's accurately represented so I would say like you know everything that they've shown and I know that you, you guys should probably go back and rewind and watch rewatch the keynote all the demos that they've shown I would say that's an accurate representation like the dinosaur coming out of a wall <laughs> yeah man it really feels like a dinosaur is coming out of a wall it's not like it's like you know some some jittery sh- 
um, the windows that are like the three windows or, you know, that are in front of you. Yeah, they, they feel life-size, man. They can be as small as you want, but they also feel very life-size. Um, and the gestures and just the eye tracking, I mean, it's just it just blows my mind how accurate and precise the, the eye tracking is because it's like some of these icons, they look small. Like there's a, at the bottom of every app window, there's a little dot and then there's a bar. And the little dot is like, you look at it and then it turns into an X. And then you can like pinch to like close it. And you're like, there's no way that it could possibly like know that you're looking at that dot and not at the bar, but you're looking at the, you look at the dot, which is right. A few like, like pixels next to the bar. And you're like, how does it know? And I don't, I think it only missed like once. I only missed like once. And I don't even know if that was a human error, but like, you know, the, the menu bar buttons are like not very large. Like they are small relative to the app window. And so like, you're just looking over there, man, I'm already imagining possibilities of like having eye tracking yeah. on an iPad or totally. like anything else. Just like, I don't know. It's, I think it's a, it's a revolutionary input is what I'm saying. Eye tracking and hand tracking. And everyone who tries it is just going to be like floored. You're going to be floored, Christina. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, Ray, thank you so much for joining us um, and joining me talking about this. I really appreciate hearing your feedback. You can also read um, his full impressions on Inverse. Um, where else can people find you online? Uh, mainly just Twitter. I know, yeah, I'm still on Twitter, but uh, twitter.com slash Ray Wong, R-A-Y-W-O-N-G-Y. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Christina, for bringing, uh, bringing Ray on to chat about Ray. The Vision Pro. He's the best. He's the he best. Really he he was great. And and um, as we said in the interview, like he was a skeptic. Like he was hardcore. It was so funny. He was so skeptical mm-hmm. before he we used it. Were. But but like he was like at the key after the keynote. He was like texting me. He was like, "What even is this stuff?" And and, and he was just <laughs> kind of commenting on on the reaction. And then he uses it. And and I text him like that morning. I was like, "How was it? How was it?" He was like, "Oh my god. Oh my god." <laughs> Oh my God. Wow. You know, and so. You should have asked, why did you do that? That cost you $4,000, Christina Warren. Why would you do that? <laughs> no. Why? I know. I know. Why? I know. You I know. should have like, 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 oh. Lie to don't. us. Yeah. <laughs> and now by proxy, you've cost me $4,000. So. <laughs> oh, oh my god. When will somebody hold him accountable? Yes. All right, let's let's wrap up a WWDC by talking about uh iOS 17. Well, can we give some really super yeah. quick impressions Absolutely. about this cuz I I don't want to go without uh remarking yeah, yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, sure. please comment. If you look at my tweets on this, I was very hard on Apple uh, bringing this out. I kind of feel like they they missed their chance to do this. Um, at the same time, like you start reading the review and everyone uh, seems to believe that there's a, a certain element of magic uh, that's mm-hmm. here with this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking at Marquise uh, Brownlee who put out a, uh, a video of his experiences with this. And you know, one of my criticisms I would have of him is he, he tends to be, I, I don't think he's like exaggerating when he mm-hmm. uh, gives his opinions. I think they're his real opinions, but he tends to be a friendly, uh, a friendly, uh, you know, audience for a lot of tech products. It, he had some positive things to say and some constructive criticism things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think my exact wording was, I believe I said this was going to be one of Apple's biggest tech failures. Yeah. I'm not sure that it's going to be now. 
I, I think there's I think the odds are, are stacked against them. Yeah, I think it would have been better if they'd come out with this, say, two years ago. But <laughs> I don't think it's impossible that they could uh, succeed now. I mean, what's kind of your read, Christina? Yeah, I have the same thought because I, I going into this, I really thought I was like, I, there was a big part of me mm-hmm. that was like, maybe this is Apple's Quibi, right? Yeah. And uh, which I, I'm sorry. And like, yet that the was butterfly a, keyboard exists. It, it's true. But, but, but Quibi was this thing that I was excited about because of the people behind it. And I was like, even though this sounds like a terrible idea, I trust Jeffrey Katzenberg and I was bullish on it. And then I was wrong. Like I was just flat yeah. out wrong. And I was like, this is going to be Apple's Quibi. Now I'm not so sure. I think like John Gruber's um, first impressions, I think uh, were really worth a read as well. And he kind of said, he again kind of talked about what a great, um, demo it was and how impressive it was. But then he talked about, he was like, this is one of the best product demonstrations I've seen since the iPhone. He was like, but will this make it a great product long-term? Right. And 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 I don't know, right? I, I think, and, and Ray and I touched on this a little bit, but I do think the hard thing on this is the price. Um, yes. The price is mm-hmm. going to put this out of reach for most people. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't eventually get the price down and over time it will come down um, and, and that you couldn't even have like versions that would be less powerful, um, that would maybe do less things that would be available. But like they, they seem to nail it. I mean, Ray and I talked after our interview was done, like we both, both mentioned, like I said to him, I was like, this feels like everything the Magic Leaf was supposed to be, but yes. actually delivered. And, and that's impressive. The fact that like they actually delivered the experience, um, according to Ray, you know, even in the, those very structured demos, um, that to basically make it identical to what you saw in the keynote is incredibly impressive and, inc- and incredibly compelling. Is that going to be compelling enough to make this a product that you sell enough devices on on to to, to make it a, a platform that the people can support and that can you know, the price can come down to make it you know accessible by all? I don't know, yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely went from being somebody who was like optimistic in the sense that I was like, I'll never bet against Apple, but was secretly like, I, I think they missed the wave on this. And I, I don't know what the point of, of this is to being like, okay, I, I think I want one. I, I, I still have to try to use it. I think still yeah. miss the wave, even if oh, yeah. like what they turn out is a, a good product. But, but I mean, even like, even something like the uh, hollow, God, the holodeck, is that what it's called? HoloLens. HoloLens, thank you, which like we also is is a good product that we have, I think, praised in the past. Is that in widespread use? Is it like selling the targets that people want it to to sell? I don't think so. No, no, no. Really, at this point, when Apple's launching a VR AR headset, like, are they doing it to hit a sales target, knowing full well that no one else in the entire field has has succeeded? Uh, even like Oculus, who was first, like even that's not something that is, you know, as in every gaming household. So, yeah, I, I don't have really have an answer here. Like it's mysterious, but um, it, it does make me wonder if perhaps they have another goal with it than making it. Ubiquitous. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, and I think that Ray and I talked about this, too. I mean they didn't show gaming demos like this. This is not yeah. being positioned as a gaming device, which yeah, I think is really interesting device, right? Or it's a personal computer. It's a computing yeah. device. And, and that I think is actually, that was um, smart. I think that is smart. And I actually think that that is weirdly in some ways, I think that that positioning is maybe correct. Um, mm. at, because 
if it was a $3,500 gaming device when you don't have games and when it would be very difficult to get games that would work at the fidelity that all these other things work at and that would offer the experience people would want, it, honestly, with the tech that's involved, it would cost more than $3,500. Um, but that I think that if you make this kind of a, a general computing device that can be used with a Mac but can also be used standalone, there is something compelling about that. Like in my my use case, like I was on This Week in Tech on Sunday and Leo had asked me, he was like, what would you need to see that would make you maybe want to buy this? And I actually said, I was like, if I could use this as like a bunch of big screens for my Mac, like extend my desktop, mm. that yeah. would be compelling. And I'm not lying. Like that actually is what I could like envision like a, a really good use case for. Is it worth $3,500? I'm going to have to see it to find out. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not out of the question. I mean, you know, Apple's monitors are are very, very expensive. um, Exactly. Uh, But if you look at this on paper, you're really getting a lot for what you're you're spending money on, right? Right. Like uh, you're getting cameras, you're getting, you know, so many pixels per eye. It's it's just ridiculous how much more um, screen real estate you're getting versus any other VR AR product on the market. That's all good. So to me, it really comes down to two factors. The first is nausea. The second is, um, you know, eye strain. Yeah. Um, If I Mm -hmm. can use this for extended periods of time and it is functional like a monitor, that becomes like a a, a potentially compelling use case for work, right? Right. Um, If if it does have that kind of nausea factor and Joanna Stern's, um, you know, uh, kind of preview for it for um, um, Wall Street Journal seem to indicate that, um, you know, I think that becomes a much more dicey proposition. I'm not spending $3,500 plus the cost of lenses for something that I use like my current VR stuff, which is something Mm -hmm. that's a, you know, 15 minute hit at a time of playing something like Beat Saber. That's not going to succeed. So, um, and, and just one more thing before I stop, you know, it has been consistently underreported on this. They've done three studies that I've seen talking about the the, the gender difference in how people perceive AR and VR, and we don't know why, but there is a big difference in the way women perceive VR and the amount of uh, motion sickness that, um, you know, that the entire cohort of humanity gets. When you add in everyone out there in the population and not just the, uh, the, the people that tend to gravitate towards new tech products, you know, one study I saw showed 58% of people um, experience, you know, mild to severe nausea in these kinds of products. Like people are just not going to pay that for something that makes them feel sick to use. So right. that is my number one question. If they solved that, this has a fighting chance. If they didn't, I just think it's dead on arrival in my view. Yep. Well, we will eagerly await uh, <laughs> spending. Let's see. What what would that be between the two of us? Six thousand dollars. Eight thousand dollars. Seven thousand dollars on this. Do you wear glasses, alone. Christina? I wear I wear contacts, um, so okay, I wouldn't yeah. be I wouldn't be getting lenses. Um, so, but like, and I, but they're saying still starting that, right? So I, I don't know how much like if there what the there are a lot of details we don't know. We don't know about storage. We don't know about other things. And um, I will say yeah. I, I have concerns about the nausea as well. Ray didn't have that experience. My friend Samantha Murphy Kelly for CNN also didn't. But I do agree that like that is going to be one of those things that like prolonged usage. Um, both did mention though the heaviness of the device. 
um, it, because it's, it's, it's a heavy device. And, and that's, that's going to be the thing I think that they're going to have to figure out like, okay, how long can you wear this thing? And, and, and what is the, like you said, eye strain and, uh, nausea, I think like the weight of the device, like, what is that going to be like? Um, I'm looking forward to trying it. I, 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 I'm sure they'll have them in Apple stores, hopefully, uh, you know, late fall, um, you know, before they come out. Line out the door. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. They're going to have to, it, it'll be like the old Apple watch. Like when, when, uh, you had to like make appointments, like that's literally what it's going to be like, I'm sure. Oh my God. All right. Let's chat about iOS 17 before we move on to dessert. Uh, iOS 17, a lot of things that I'm genuinely excited about. Uh, short uh, bullet list here. Uh, say goodbye to H-E-Y-S-I-R-I, a thing I will not say out loud for the sake of saving people's phones. Transcription in voice messages, ad- additional search options in messages, uh, name drop, a-, a feature where you can share contact information yes. via proximity with other Ooh. iPhone users, um, as well as a check-in feature uh, that you can, that I think is, uh, people will like it. People like it. It's good. Uh, letting you share your location with people that you're meeting um, and sending automatic messages to people when you've, like, say, arrived home, other options. Um Marco Polo-esque uh, FaceTime messages. Yes. Enhancements to autocorrect uh, and to dictation. Uh, so we could kind of talk through some of these features. And I'm sure that there are more that I didn't jot down that y- y'all are excited about. Um, for me, one of the things that I'm most excited about is transcription for voice messages. Because mm-hmm. I do, I love a voice message. Same. I think it's a great option. There are also certainly times when I know I have left someone's voice message just on read because I can't listen to it right now <laughs> and and then I forget about it. Um, so I'm psyched about that. Same, same. And and honestly, also, um, there used to be an app called Bump that would let you exchange <gasps> your, your number. Bump. Bump was yes. the best. And that's basically what this like um uh, name share is. And like, that's exciting. Um, I'm also excited about the fact that like the way that airdrop works will work. Like, even if you're not in proximity anymore, it'll use the internet to continue to send your files over. Um, it feels like, I mean, it's so funny because we talked about the gaming, like backdoor for, for Mac OS. The only other big feature was widgets, which I was like, hi, is it 2005 again? And are we talking <laughs> about Mac OS 10 tiger? <laughs> because like we used to have widgets available on the desktop. Uh, this is like everything old is new again. And, and that's another thing that like is part of the, the iOS 17. It's like, oh, I can finally have widgets on the home screen. Like a lot of the stuff feels like these are nice paper cuts, but I'm not seeing any like big, huge, like game-changing features, but I, I think that's okay. Like, if, if this is a paper cut release and some nice, you know, little, um, you know, quality-of-life things are made, then then I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think rather than, uh, I think y'all touched on the, the ones that I care about the most. The thing I just want to touch on uh, for me to say before we uh, move on, um, I want to say the biggest disappointment for me was the lack of a new iPad Pro. Um, you know, this hardware in the iPad Pro is really old at this point. And it's an M2. Yes, well, I, I kind of want a new form factor if I'm going to buy a whole new one. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just, it looks so similar to my older one. Um, I, I I was really hoping they would update that for this, and we didn't get that. So I was disappointed with that because Final Cut, uh, you know, Final Cut finally coming to iPad after 9 million years. That is something I would uh, definitely buy that. 
9 million years. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about uh, briefly. So they have uh, a new dictation uh, AI language model for better accuracy, as well as those autocorrect enhancements. Um, and I, I have for years been with iOS. Sorry, I'm still speaking on iOS here. Uh, for years, I have been so. <laughs> I would I would pay Apple to let me erase every word that it has learned to spell for me. Honestly, so for me, uh, new enhancements to autocorrect is hopefully yes. uh, they have inline predictive typing as well as like grammatical mistake corrections and no more ducking no more yes. ducking in place of the yes. f word which we can't say on this show so for me I, i'm not so much excited about the grammatical mistake corrections because i think people do make a lot of those on purpose uh, as a stylistic choice however uh the inline predictive typing great and also just autocorrect enhancements in general makes me hope that whatever horrible lessons my phone has learned for me Maybe, maybe <laughs> when I update to iOS 17, it will have forgotten them. What do, can I please yes. hope for this? I no, I, I do too. No, I mean, I, when when Craig said no duck, no more ducking or whatever, I was like, yes. Between yeah, that, you're set loose. You're free. <laughs> yes, no, because I've, I've I've had like as an autocorrect suggestion for I don't know how many years in the custom dictionary, I've had the f word, and it still messes up sometimes. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like this is <laughs> this is ridiculous. Between that and and he made a quip at one point about. Uh, multiple um, alarms on iPad OS. He was like, I know. He was like, don't we live in a time of wonder or whatever? I laughed out loud. Like I, I cackled. I cackled out loud I, the, with the dry they delivery there. I was, I was like, I, I was very, very, Craig is the best. He's the best. But yeah, that was Can good. I ask you, Christina, you, uh, you made a tweet saying uh, Apple Maps will still suck. Yes. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to say anything about the, uh, about Apple Maps? It will still suck. I mean, I know that there are some people who like live and die by it. I'm very happy for you. I've been stuck on a mountain because of Apple Maps. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, like, I'm sorry. There are only so many times that you can get me lost and literally stuck on a mountain before I, I can be like, you know what? I'm not going to give you another shot. So, yep. Uh, all right. I think we have to cut the WWDC stuff off, even though there's still things that I would like to talk about. But I think we should save them for next week. I'd love yes. to talk about journal, et cetera. But let's move on to uh, a, a, a different uh, different discussion of apps. This one on Reddit. <sighs> so on June 12th, uh, many subreddits will go dark in protest over Reddit's plan to charge massive a API fees to third-party apps. So apps like Reddit is Fun, Apollo, Narwhal, uh, other popular mobile Reddit app alternatives have said that they are being told hefty, hefty numbers to continue accessing Reddit's API uh, to run their third-party apps. Uh, other terms of service changes that they're uh, reportedly being asked for uh, require ad blocking, which uh, many of those third-party apps run on ads rather than charging subscriptions and are adding to the developer's frustration. Uh, these apps exist, I mean, not just because people want to make them uh, and would make them anyway, but also because Reddit only launched their own first-party mobile app in 2016, uh, long after the site had become one of the biggest watering holes on the whole internet. Uh, Christian Selig, who develops Apollo, posted on Reddit saying that Reddit is asking $12,000 for 50 million API calls, while Imager charges $166 for 50 
for the same. Um, so this is a different situation from Twitter's bot shutdown in, mm-hmm. in that it seems like most of those Twitter bots, like it's somebody running a, a fun thing that posts an image every day. It's, they're doing it as a hobby. It's fun. These are legitimate businesses who would pay a, a fee that they felt was fair, but cannot say afford $20 million, right. which is what the math is working out to. Yeah. And, and in Apollo's case, I mean, uh, Christian uh, did a great uh, interview um, on, on YouTube with uh, with Quinn Nelson, uh, Snazzy Labs, um, that I highly recommend you watch um, because it, it, it's awesome. And and I, I should disclose here that I, I've been online friends with Christian, I think basically uh, for eight or nine years. And and I, I, I was using Apollo when it was, you know, in, in, in beta before it was even out. And Um, so I, I definitely, you know, like feel affinity towards that, but even putting that aside, like he pointed out, he does charge a subscription for some users like myself who pay for Apollo ultra. But the problem is, is that many people pay a year in advance. And so Mm -hmm. even if he wanted to raise his prices, he still is in like a, a messed up situation where, okay, so he raises the prices and people will agree to that. But if you've already paid for a year in advance, he has to honor that pricing. And because he only got 30 days to essentially change his entire business plan, like this is going to potentially really hurt him. Um, and not not to mention, like there are a ton of people who rely on these apps who are mods. This is one of the reasons why a lot of those subreddits are going dark because the official tools do not work for their purposes. They literally mm-hmm. cannot do the job that they're doing for free for Reddit with the official tools. They have to use third-party apps. And beyond that, the official apps are not accessible. Like they genuinely don't have accessibility things for 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 blind users um, and 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 people with other um, you know uh, usability issues. They have to rely on these third parties. And and Reddit has come out and said, okay, well, if the whole purposes of your app is just for accessibility, then we'll exempt you from the API. Oh my but every, god! But, but everybody else, no. I mean, and it's like, okay, but you're basically going to cut off like potentially entire swaths of people because I mean, is that their own tools oh, go are are good enough? Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to kind of interrupt and say, like, is that their goal? Is their goal to shut down these third-party so. apps entirely? I mean, I think that is. I think that instead of being honest, like at least Twitter was, at least, look, at least Elon was honest. At least he was honest and cut off the third-party apps. Um, I think that has to be what their goal is because they're trying to go public and, and you know, they're they're trying to be able to serve and control the platform of how they show ads. I think it's so dumb because, you know, what's weird I would pay $50 a year to Reddit if they would let me then pay to use a third-party app. Like, I would do that. Hmm. I would pay Reddit, and then I would pay Apollo. Like, there are ways that they could work around this. And it's just, I I really hope these boycotts work because I think that this is just a really anti-user, anti-community move from a company that, you know, even more than, than a lot of other social media platforms, literally the tooling here is important to the people who are mm-hmm. the underbelly of literally making the site run. The actual free labor that exactly. keeps those communities, yeah, working. Yeah, I don't really have strong feelings about it. I mean, I've obviously seen the the backlash on Reddit. I mean, uh, I think it was uh, our mildly interesting uh, shutting down in response to this. Mm. Um, so I think that kind of solidarity, it, it makes a lot of sense. It, it really is about the the moderation tools, which, you know, to be clear, um, you know, there just has not been the kind of investment in that that we've needed uh, to really make it, it easy. So, um, 
you know, very disappointed to see. I, I think it's part of this bigger trend where, you know, the promise of the web that everybody wants to promise is like open, 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 big choice, use your mm-hmm. own, build whatever you want. But it just seems the the only business model that has really worked is smaller, centralized, total control from the center. There's a reason Twitter has moved towards that for advertisers. And, uh, you know, it's one of these things where to maximize um you know, actually, it's really tied to ad sales, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to um, the vendor that we buy a lot of television ads for uh, at Rebellion Pack this week, and they're scrambling, scrambling like crazy to put together uh, connected yeah. TV, uh, um, you know, programs so you can serve ads to people that don't watch cable, for instance, right? right. Which is a huge growing part of the market. I've never seen. I, we've done experiments with connected TV. I've never seen something that indicates that that works. Uh, but, you know, they're going to keep trying because they don't have any choices, right? That, you know, shrinking ad market or effectiveness of the ads is why, um, you know, you're going to have this this push towards central centralized apps where they can have tighter control over metrics and, and things to, you know, trackers to to give advertisers, right? Sure. So um, mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a hell of a situation and expect it to get worse, not better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like as a business move, I think I can see where Reddit is coming from, but I just have so little sympathy because it's like, well, you're so late to the game in having this and other people stepped in and right. we love our free market. We love our free market. People stepped in and they, you know, made something that became important to a lot of people. And that added value to your platform, frankly, right? Added value to your platform, probably helped build your platform or continue to build your platform. I I mean, since 2016, I don't think Reddit is maybe, it's still massive, obviously. Um, So it, it, it comes across certainly as petty, especially when the numbers that we're looking at here, like, $166 $166 for imager. Different case, obviously. But Different case. It's just a huge, huge gap between 166 and 12,000. Yeah. Well, well, what gets me is the accessibility thing. Like, that's honestly the thing that bothers me is that their own mm-hmm. apps. And, and what's interesting, the official Reddit app, they bought an app called, um, I, I think it was called Bacon Reader. And, um, or, 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 or no, Alien Blue, that's what it was called. They bought an mm-hmm. app called Alien Blue. And then they turned that into the official Reddit app. They they made everything that was good about Alien Blue bad, but but they did <laughs> turn that into the official client. And then um, Christian, you know, like when he was graduating from college, like created Apollo, which really then became like kind of the the standard app. But the thing is, is that they clearly have never cared about accessibility things, which I think could yeah. potentially get them in legal trouble um, yeah. for for some things. But the thing is, is that I'm like, okay, so you now are going to have to potentially hire a whole team of people to make your app accessible and double down on this and whatnot, the amount of money that they're going to have to spend doing that to me is probably going to be equal to whatever it is costing them to run the API if they were yeah. to cut off some other things. Like it just feels, I mean, you're right. This is all about advertising, but there's also, there would be a way around this. Like, look, do I think that Reddit is in their right to charge for the API? Yeah, I do. Do I feel like apps that are, are, using ad support to, to get around that um, are out of disservice. Yeah, I do. I think that that probably shouldn't be an option. I feel like if you're making a client this way, you need to pay for it and your users need to pay for it. I think that's yeah. fair. But the pricing, as you say, is just obscene and, and is not on a place that anybody can afford to use it. And if you don't want anybody building on your platform, then just say it. Like, I, I wish yeah. they would have at least been honest about that. Exactly. Yeah, totally agree. 
Would you like to tell me what you're doing this week, Christina? Yeah. So I'm recovering, as you can hear from my voice, uh, from a lot of travel. And um, so a new episode of The Download will be coming this week. So check that out. But I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just honestly kind of recovering from go, go, go travel stuff and then figuring out when my next trips are going to be. So that's that's what I'm doing. Oh, and, and investigating some of this Mac gaming stuff. I'm gonna, I've got an article coming out for uh, for Inverse. It might Ooh. be up. It might Ooh. be up Friday. Oh, I'm so glad to see you writing. Yeah, it might be up Friday. It might be up um, early next week. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But I but I've got a, a kind of a deep dive into. Basically, you guys got a preview of it earlier, but kind of a deep dive into. Uh, I think uh, what the Mac gaming um, with the you know uh, uh, toolkit uh, means for for Mac gaming. So. Exciting. Brianna, what are you up to this week? Oh, so I, well, something I just got done doing, I want to plug is um, you know, one of my bigger political missions is to um, uh, kind of promote a healthier conversation in my own political party. Uh, yeah, I think we tend to get at war with each other. So um, I'm really proud of this. Um, I wouldn't call myself friends with the streamer Destiny, but we we know each other. Mm. We're friendly with each other. And of course, I work with uh, Cenk Uger uh, of the Young Turks. So you've got kind of the uh, the person who is very critical of Biden with <laughs> somebody who is a, really a supporter of Biden. Um, both of them just 10 out of 10 debaters. And I was really proud that I got both of them together in the same room to talk about if uh, Biden had been a good president. Um, it was fantastic content, really smart conversation, uh, nuanced, thoughtful, polite, um, you know, more light than heat exactly what we need to have. Like you can have a conversation about what the legacy of Biden is on, on some of these policies that affect people. Right. Um, I think that's good for us going into 2024. So, um, this is something I'm tremendously proud of professionally. I want to plug that in the notes. Um, so that's what I'm doing this week. Just being honest with y'all street fighter six came out. Um, It is so good. I want to save it for a dessert topic sometime, but, um, Man, this game, they they put modern controls in it. So even me, I've been playing Street Fighter for 30 years. And um, you know, I'm very willing to trade damage for consistency in doing special moves. So um, I never played these games online, obsessed with it, have put in like 20 hours online already playing people. Great game. If anyone Rocket plays Street Fighter Six, please DM me. I would love to put us uh, like make a Street Fighter club so we can all play together. Nice, nice, nice. And yeah, definitely send me a, a link for the show notes for that oh, debate. So of I course, can pop it in. That's awesome. Uh, I am streaming today uh, for Ooh. the Summer Game Fest. I'm not sure if this episode will be out in time, but at 3 p.m. Thursday, June 8th, Polygon is restreaming Summer Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest. Uh, it's just going to be a, a wacky restream. We'll be doing some commentary over hopefully some exciting new trailers, as well as teaching you fish facts. Other than that, I'm doing a lot of sewing. I just got a sewing pattern in the mail for some Ooh. 18th century underwear, and I am working on a petticoat that <laughs> was making last night and I had to stop because I I got confused and I did something bad and now I need to fix my mistakes and I'm annoyed about it but it's going to be fine because it's going to be it, the mistakes are going to be invisible and it's fine it's fine it's Oof. fine it's fine everything's fine um Christina where can I find you online you can find me at film underscore girl on Twitter film underscore girl at mastodon.social 
film underscore girl on Instagram and film girl at bsky.social. Not confusing at all. Just no, it's fine. like so, so, so it's film underscore, film underscore girl most places, film girl one word on, um, on, on blue sky. So, yeah, again, not confusing at all. And, uh, and you can, yeah, that, that's where I am. Brianna, what about you? Mine are even worse than Christina's. Uh, look for me. Uh, I'm Brianna Wu on the Twitter, and I am, uh, Brianna, just Brianna on blue sky. So such a good, such a good get on that handle. Yes. Such a good. Yes. <laughs> I think and all of us, when a new social media network comes out, we all want to get there just to get the good handle yes. as soon as possible. I, try, I tried to get Christina when I joined Blue Sky and I joined Blue Sky in March and it was already taken or it was like, you know, the, they, they, the you know, team had set it aside and I was like, damn it. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, well, get ready for Discord's name change. Oh, That's God, I know. I, if I don't, don't get film it. underscore girl on Discord, I'm going to be really, really mad. Yeah. But whatever. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about it. Don't, don't, don't get any ideas. Don't anyone. tell anyone about this. We got to leave on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Doom Quasar everywhere on social media. Thank you so much for listening to this show. I would love it if you reviewed it on Apple Podcasts. As you noticed, we don't have any ads this week, even if you're a booster subscriber. If you're a booster subscriber, I should have said this episode is brought to you by you. By because you. you. You are the heroes. You're the goats. Uh, are are paying for this episode. And I appreciate that. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you reviewed the show uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help other people find it and know it's good. And our boosties are about to get for their uh, their efforts. A discussion on Caroline Calloway's profile in Vanity Ooh. Fair. Oh, boy. And there's a lot. It, there's a ju- so It's much. juicy. It's a juicy one. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.